listening to Voices of IFES, where we speak with people from around the IFES Fellowship about all things student ministry. Hello and welcome to Voices of IFES. I'm Maeva, the host of this podcast, and today I'm joined by Dai Fernandez. Hello Dai, can you introduce yourself? Where you're from? Uh, what do you do? Yes, hello. Uh, my name is Dai Fernandez. I'm the National Director of IVCF Philippines or uh, the General Secretary of IVCF Philippines. So I'm married to Aldwin Fernandez and together we're raising a 15-year-old girl named Diana and a three-year-old beagle named Tango. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> For how long have you been uh, the director of IVCF? Actually, I've just been uh, I've just uh, been the national director for a year and a half. So I began uh, during the pandemic years, <laughs> but I've been with IVCF Philippines as a full-time worker for 21 years now. So, how did you ended up working for them? IVCF is where I became a believer, actually. So our ministry has um, has worked among high school students. So in the Philippines, high school students, uh, their ages uh, 12, at that time, 12 to 16. So when I was in high school, uh, there was a staff worker who would go to our school and who would uh, lead Bible studies for us. So it, it was in this Bible study that I became a believer. And then I became involved um, during my university days as a student leader. And I think I just, you know, um, because of the debt of gratitude that I've had for this ministry, for how it's led me to know Christ, um, God called me here. So that's how I became a student worker, a staff worker of IVCF Philippines. So a little bit about IVCF. So IVCF have been a movement since 1953 and has been thriving and growing since then. It was established through English pioneers and then grew through graduates that share about IVCF in their hometown to student-to-be. What impresses me is that from this ministry came along many other ministries and quite early in the 70s, like NCF, which is Nurse Christian Fellowship, followed by then a literature ministry, a high school ministry, which you were part of, and then they even sent missionaries too. And in early 2000, released an album with their songs, which like, it's when I saw this, I was like, what? <laughs> yes, because Filipinos like to sing. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. IBCF, when we began in 1953, we actually uh, began with uh, the work of Gwen Wong. So Gwen Wong was the IFES uh, worker. She's... Um, sent to pioneer work with us. Uh, Gwen Wong uh, was an American missionary with IFES. So uh, she started with a few university students in 1953. Uh, they met, um, you know, some students from four universities. And it was from this uh, first set of students in four universities that our ministry grew. Uh, from 1953, Gwen Wong was joined by uh, two other ladies, uh, Bea Weisskopf and then um, another uh, lady missionary. Um, but I th 
you know, the, the legacy that uh, Gwen Wong and those missionaries left with us was that early on, uh, they stressed um, that the work belonged to the Filipinos. So um, in 19, just after six years, they left. They left the work to the local uh, staff workers. So we had a general secretary. We had uh, staff workers, both for high school work and college work. When I read our history, they said that during those times, uh, what Gwen Wong actually did was a bit um, like radical to, to leave uh, a mission work so young. And they actually predicted that because she was leaving us too soon, that the work would fold. But because now we're on our 69th year, next year we're celebrating our 70th. I think that's a testimony to um, that when Wong put her faith in God, right, that he would, you know, flourish this ministry, even if they left early, you know, um, the foreigners left after six years and the locals we made uh, by the grace of God, we've made it uh, our own ministry and, and we've, be, we've made it grow. So, yeah, next year we'll be celebrating our 70th anniversary. And IFIS is celebrating their 75th, so you were there not long <laughs> after. <laughs> How come in Asia you, there seems to be, since a while, loads of women involved in charge? Oh. <laughs> hmm. Actually, the, I'm only the third uh, general secretary who's a woman. Um, for the first many years of our movement, uh, men led our movement. But I think it's partly our culture that uh, the Filipino culture actually tends to be matriarchal. So while we, you know, our, our fathers and our men uh, occupy or leadership positions that have titles, you know, our mothers and the women are in our family play a big role in, you know, keeping the families together, running organizations, and running communities. So I think it's partly related to our culture. Okay, thank you. <laughs> As an average, how many students are part of IVCF? And how many groups do you have in the Philippines? Um, before the pandemic, we would have an average of 2,500 students going through our ministry every year. And we had work in about 100 college fellowships and around 50 high school fellowships. But that was before uh, the pandemic. So now our numbers are really low. Uh, actually, um, we've just um, wrapped up the school year last May. And this year, we had just about 1,000 students going through our ministry. And that's because our ministry is a combination of college and high school students. And during the pandemic, you know, um, some of our groups, we couldn't meet them because they're not online. You know, these are the high school students who did modules. So uh, with the restrictions in place, we couldn't meet some of uh, those students. So we're trying to retain the same number of universities and schools, but the number of our students, they're really low at this time. But we're looking forward because it seems that we're, you know, this pandemic is about hopefully by the grace of God, about to end. So we're actually looking forward this year to, you know, more face-to-face -face meetings, uh, blended meetings, and hopefully that helps us to reestablish our presence on campus and enables our staff to meet more of our students. 
Okay. That's quite drastic to have just uh, half, half of the students. Yes. Yeah. It's very difficult. And so tell me a little bit more about the Philippines in general. So what's the religious contact there? The Philippines is a largely Catholic country. So Catholics make up about 83%. And then the rest would be the Protestants and the Evangelicals and the other religious uh, religions. Evangelicals, we make up just a very small percent. We're just about 2.8% in the country. So we're a very small uh, minority. And uh, the Catholic system that we have here, it's a bit different from maybe the Catholic system that you know in Europe or even in America, because it's that kind of Catholic system that we've inherited from the Spanish who uh, colonized us for 400 years. So religion is cultural to us. So most Filipinos will identify with a, a religion, but not necessarily have that as, you know, something that guides how they live or that this, you know, uh, like a worldview. So that's one. But also in the past years, partly because of, you know, the globalization of the world and the influence of social media, our young people, you know, there are significant shifts about what they believe about religion, especially the religion that they grew up with. For example, there's a very powerful uh, religious minority in our country called Iglesia Ni Cristo. So they're small, but they're very powerful politically. And then during the last election, their young people, for the first time, said that they would not vote just because that's the choice of their leaders. But in past elections, you know, the religious leaders would tell them who to vote. You know, so this. This is an example of how our young people today, they're reevaluating the religion that they've grown up with and they're making you know, their own decisions about what does this mean and how this affects the, the kind of lives that they choose to, to live. So that's true, not just for the Catholics, not just for this minority, but even for the evangelicals in our country. When you say like that the Catholic is different, is it because the Catholic, is it because it's like more religious than faith? And but because it's the same in, in Spain, actually, and in France, for example, people say they're Catholic, it's Catholic countries, but actually they don't have much faith as well. So is it the same or there's other differences? I think I, um, I say that uh, in comparison to how Catholic system is practiced in the U.S., for example, oh, yeah, okay. because um, for many years we've had uh, IVCF USA students come and do the global urban trek with us. And they've noticed that, that the Catholic system that they've observed here, it's different from the one that they have in the U.S. It's, I think it, there's a, a large part of it is the folk spirituality that, that goes into it and uh, the strong allegiances to patron saints and then especially to Mary. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why. Yeah. So it's a bit, it's a little bit like in Europe. Okay. <laughs> Could you tell us how student ministry is like in the Philippines? I think I'll just speak for our own. <laughs> for yeah, go for it. Our ministry is um, diverse and, you know, we're on a spectrum. So that's sometimes that's a challenge. Uh, what I mean by, you know, diverse is that we have students who belong to 
those who have more privileges who are more economically advantaged. And then there, then we have students in towns and cities that do not have the same access as students in, in the major urban centers, you know. So these differences, they mean a lot to us in terms of how, uh, how we carry on with the ministry and, how, and the platforms that we use. So, for example, during the pandemic, it was a hard decision to, you know, to let go of some of our chapters because we couldn't reach them. They were just not accessible, you know. Um, because we were restricted to ministry online, some of our students, we couldn't reach them. So that's, that's one of the challenges of student ministry today. The second challenge for student ministry is um, that the young people that we have on university and in high school, they belong to a different generation than the student workers themselves. So these generational differences, it affects how we do ministry as well. I think for us now, the challenge for us in student ministries, understanding the young people today and, you know, the world that they see. And, you know, this is the young people who've lived through a pandemic with the possibility of war over their heads, right? So there's a lot of anxiety about the world and the kind of world that they're growing up into. Um, so this is, you know, the, 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 the context of our students. And that's a challenge that we, in student ministry, we have to face when we come alongside them. How do we help these, two, these young people who've grown up with so much anxiety, you know, a lot of troubles around them? How do we bring the gospel to them and know that, that this gospel is a gospel of hope that they can bring to their fellow students, you know? How to make that hope uh, real and tangible, uh, that's the challenge for student work these days. So when you share the gospel with the student, because you say it's another generation, when you share the gospel with students, how do they respond? Do you have to do a different approach? How do you approach them? How does that work? I think it's first coming alongside the students and helping them to see that we're interested in them as a whole person and not just we're not just coming alongside and that we have something to teach them, but that we're interested in them as whole persons about their mental health, their studies, their dreams for the future, what's happening at home. So all of these are things that we want to come alongside with them for. So, yeah, that's, I think that's the first way to come alongside these students. Yeah, that's good. So could you share with us one or two encouraging testimonies that have really mocked you in your ministry life, student ministry life in the past 20 years? One of the things I miss really is being with the students, you know, because when I started uh, serving as national director, I couldn't, you know, do a lot of real hands-on, you know, student work. But one of those stories that I really uh, treasure are the students that I used to handle who would... Um, like there's this student that I invited every week to a Bible study for two years. So every week I would text him to our Bible study for two years <laughs> and he wouldn't respond at all. So it's two years. Something happened on the third year. He finally appears. He's, so he's a late bloomer, you know, he appears and he gets involved and he actually ends up graduating as one of the leaders of our group. 
And then he goes on to university to also become a, a leader in one of those. So, you know, this student is like me. <laughs> if you ask my staff worker, she would say I was the last of her students that she'd think would become a staff worker like her. So, you know, those are the stories that I miss in, in student work. And I think the second story would be more personal for me. It would be about my own ministry as a general secretary. When the search for the next GenSec was being done, the pandemic hadn't yet arrived. And then when the decision was made that I was going to be the one uh, to lead, this was like March, you know, the pandemic hadn't, you know, really happened. When they finally, uh, the board finally decided to announce it, I actually really had, you know, second thoughts, you know, like the night before the announcement, I was asking God, did I really hear you right? Because I don't know if I can lead this movement through a pandemic, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. I'm not sure if, you know, I can do this. And actually, the other reason that I was afraid of taking on this assignment is because I've struggled with anxiety before, you know, um, so, you know, I'm not, I wasn't so sure that I could handle this kind of, of difficult, uh, difficult job. But the Lord did confirm his call to me the night before the announcement. So I've been here, I've been leading this movement for a year and a half. And I've lost, you know, stuff. I mean, not real stuff, but, you know, at the recent management retreat, one of my realizations was that I am happy to have lost some things about me, you know, um, leading a movement through a pandemic. There's a lot of, you know, you plan, right? You make all these plans and then a surge comes along and you have to make new plans again. But that has taught me, you know, to just uh, trust in the Lord at every step. So what I've lost actually is the need to know everything clearly and ahead. Uh, I've lost the need to to want so much certainty in my life because uh, God has you know tra trained me <laughs> to to hold on to Him and to have faith even when things don't always you know go as I hope they would. So I think that's the second uh, testimony I'd like to share that this pandemic has given me a gift. And I hope it's also given the rest of us who's gone through the pandemic a gift, you know, this gift of knowing that despite all uncertainties, God is always with us. And he's given us a chance to prove him there, right? A chance we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing this. I can see that it's very difficult even more to arrive during the pandemic because it's nothing like has been done before when context is completely different. So tell me, what are the next plan for IVCF in the next coming years? Is it the, how's the school? Is it like, does it finish in, uh, in July or like some region or is it, does it start in January? Like when does the school year start? Yes, our school year has been a mess <laughs> because of the pandemic. So uh, we've had a lot of adjustments over the past two years. But uh, most of our schools now will begin in July or August. 
and then end sometime in June. So that's our school year. Um, because we see that the, the pandemic looks, you know, it's about to, to end, we're hoping that this year uh, we could, you know, rebuild our campus fellowships, you know, get more students coming together, um, getting them more in touch with their uh, fellow students, especially our freshmen, our, our new university students. So we're looking forward to that. And then the second is we're, we want to go deeper into digital ministry. So I think that's one of the things that we've, we were forced to learn during the pandemic. So we've realized that digital ministry isn't just you know, an alternative place to meet. At the start of the pandemic, with all the Zoom stuff happening, we thought digital ministry was what we were doing face-to-face that happened to be transplanted on Zoom. But we've learned you know, that it's not just that. The digital space is like any other you know, space before that needs missionaries, that needs students who understand the language and the culture and who will bring the gospel and establish you know, Christian communities in the digital space. So that's our second, you know, second direction for the years to come. We want to go deeper into the digital ministry. And then the third one is that we'd like to flourish our special ministries this, again, is unexpected uh, gift from the Lord. No one would think that the pandemic is a time to, you know, to start new stuff, right? Logically, you'd think that during a pandemic, you want to, you know, consolidate your resources and stay, you know, stay where you are. But the Lord has actually made uh, some of our specialized ministries to, to bloom, to grow during the pandemic, after years of planting. So these specialized ministries are our ministry to teachers or educators. So we call them our faculty ministry. And then next is the one that you mentioned a while ago, the nurses ministry. So a specialized ministry among our student nurses. And then the third is our international student ministry. So we're actually going to have a worker that's going to be seconded to us by IBCF USA, and she's going to begin, you know, uh, international student work for us this year. So, yeah, that's the third um, to see our specialized ministries grow and flourish in these coming years. Is there a lot of international students in the Philippines? Before the pandemic, yes, and so we're hoping that. With the end of the pandemic, uh, we will see them return. Many of the international students that we had before, they were here to study uh, medicine or nursing. So we have a lot of international students. So how can we support you in your ministry? How, what prayers would you like to have from people? Yes, two Ps. Pray and partner. <laughs> so pray for us. Um, and then secondly, partner with us. If you're interested if by any of our specialized ministries or you want to see uh, students becoming missionaries on the digital space or, you know, more young people coming to know Christ, partner with us. You can uh, visit our website, uh, ivcfail.org. Uh, we're also on Facebook, so you can uh, look for us there. Send us a message and we'll tell you more about our ministry and how you can partner with us. 
Amazing. I'll put all the links in bio and you can visit their website. It's very good. I really okay. enjoy it. It's very yeah. good. And I was very impressed how everything is well done. It's very clear. So well done on that. Well, thank you so much, Dai. It was so nice to get to know you and get to know IVCF. It's very interesting to hear about this ministry um, because we don't really hear about the Philippines in for example, in my news that I hear about, I don't really hear about it. <laughs> so it's it's very good that, yeah, you accepted to do this interview with us. <laughs> my pleasure. Thank you so much. No worries. Well, have a good rest of your day. And uh, thank you for listening to Voices of IFES. Um, If you want to know more about IVCF, do go on their website and do ask them questions if you want to support them. And until next time, bye. Thanks for listening to Voices of IFE. Follow us on your favourite podcast platform to hear more interviews like this one today. If you want to hear stories of how students are transforming their campuses around the world, subscribe to Prayerline, our weekly newsletter with inspiring stories to help you pray for student movements. You can go to ifesworld.org to subscribe or follow us on Instagram and Facebook to listen to stories in audio form.